The Lord be with you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. And I hope you all are looking forward to this Thursday if for no other reason than to get out of 2020. <laughs> that would be an accomplishment for all of us <clears throat> to get out of it healthy. The date was August the 24th, 2006. That's when it happened. That's when things started going south. That's when the bottom fell out. On October 24, 2006, everything was completely unraveled, completely undone. Where were you on August 24, 2006? Do you know? Do you remember? Do you know what happened on that date? Back on March the 13th of 1930, things began with great fanfare and fireworks. There was great excitement around the world. March 13 and 1930 was the day that Clyde Tombaugh discovered it. But on August 24, 2006, Clyde Tombaugh's discovery came crashing down. At a meeting in Prague of the Czech Republic, a meeting that few people knew about, an eclectic group of astronomers from the International Astronomical Union took a vote. A vote that had terrible consequences. The vote was to downgrade the planet Pluto. They decided to downgrade Pluto to a dwarf planet. The audacity of them to do such a thing. How could they do that? Pluto lost its planet status. He got rejected, folks. They decided to drown, and they only gave him an official title. The official title was a number, the number 134340. Pluto was reduced to a number. Your social security number, your driver's license number, your telephone number, your house address. Are we all not numbers? Are we are not little Plutos? Sometimes we feel that way. What happened to Pluto is terrible. He got benched, got bumped, he got traded. He got cut from the team. He got voted off the island. He became the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> Pluto got hosed, my friends. He got rejected, demoted, devalued, demeaned, and dismissed. One day Pluto's in and the next day Pluto's out. But it was so stunning in 2006, I'm surprised you don't remember because, you, have, you know, every year they have the word of the year. This year word is what? This year, COVID. In 2006, it was Plutoed. Believe it or not. <laughs> the proper noun Pluto is changed now to the verb Plutoed. Many of us can relate with Pluto, can't we? We know what being Pluto feels like, don't we? We were the wrong size. We were the wrong height. We were the wrong shape. We were the wrong color. We were the wrong age. We were on the wrong team. We had the wrong friends. We had the wrong school. 
the wrong parents. People get Plutoed all the time by bosses and businesses and boyfriends and busybodies everywhere. What in the world does Pluto have to do with our text for today? In the gospel for today, John writes, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. He's speaking of incarnation here. John's shorthand in, verses, in verse 14 of John 1 would simply be incarnation. The word was incarnate, and incarnate means to become flesh. That's what the word did. God, Jesus, is the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Christ became flesh. He became incarnate for people who have been Plutoed all their lives. John speaks of people who have been Plutoed throughout his gospel. He speaks of the Samaritan woman who had been divorced five times. He speaks of the paralytic who had been unable to walk or do anything for 38 years. He speaks of 5,000 men and not counting their women and children who were famished and severely undernourished, starving. He speaks of Mary and Martha, whose brother Lazarus was killed, died. He speaks of a man born blind. He speaks of discouraged disciples, unable to understand this man named Jesus. He speaks of sheep and their shepherd. He speaks of people, all of whom were rejected, the whole lot of them. He came, became incarnate in Christ. The word became flesh. And he did it for people like you and me who know a little bit about being Pluto. John's gospel begins much the same as Moses' first book of Genesis. When Moses says, in the beginning, in Genesis 1.1, John spreads it out a little bit. In 1.1, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What do we know from that? We know that our God is not a silent God. Our God speaks. In Genesis 1, he spoke very loud. His first words were, let there be light, and there was light. Throughout the Old Testament, God creates, directs, controls, and shapes events. All the events. Did you know that the, the term word of the Lord has, appears in the Old Testament 261 times? In the Old Testament. But that's not all. The word with a capital W that you see in the Bible so often, Jesus, it's more than just an element of speech or an expression or a sound or an idea or a concept on a page. He's more than that because the word became flesh. This true, powerful, enduring word of the Lord that speaks creation into existence becomes flesh. The sophisticated Greeks and the Romans of John's day roiled at that. The thought of flesh when John connected it to his God, the only true God. Because flesh to the Greeks and Romans was nothing. It was doomed to wither. It was doomed to decay and finally to be destroyed. The thought of anything worthy of flesh, flesh was nothing. 
No God in his right mind would ever deal with anything as destructive and degrading as flesh. These are some pretty smart people. And yet God did exactly that. The Word, the Son of God, and God the Son became flesh. Imagine God becoming flesh. God becomes hungry. God thirsts. God gets tired. God sheds tears. God feels disappointment and sorrow and hurt and loneliness and rejection. Just like you and me. Do not be confused. The word does not change into flesh. The word did not morph or be transitioned into flesh. That's not what John writes here. If the word changed or morphed or transitioned into flesh, he would no longer be God. But remaining what he was, he became what we are. That's it. Remaining what he was, God, he became what we are. Flesh. God left his golden throne for a dirty sheep pen. Worshiping angels crying out from eternity past, holy, 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 give way to shepherds that are bewildered in the fields. Lying there in a manger, Jesus looks like anything but God. His face is puffy, prunish, and red. His cry, though strong and healthy, is still the helpless and piercing cry of an infant. Here is majesty in the midst of the mundane. God entering the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter from Nazareth. A God who has eyebrows and elbows and thumbs and toes, two kidneys and a spleen. That is our God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But why? Because there was no rocking chair to rock him to sleep in that stable. There was no comfortable cradle with cushioned linen. And grandma's hand-knit comfortable, comfort to make him comfortable and warm. There was no bottle to feed him. There was no pacifier, no mitts to cover his hands. Just a piece, a few pieces of cloth, strips to cover him. There was no silk, no ivory, no hype, no hoopla. Not for this babe in Bethlehem that became flesh for you and for me. John drives this point home when he writes about Jesus on trial before Pontius Pilate. Pilate has Jesus, flesh dripped and torn, crown stuck on him of thorns and his head bleeding, dressed in purple. He brings Jesus out before the crowd and says, Behold the man, not behold your God. The Latin Vulgate interpretation of that behold the man is Eke homo, eke homo. Here's the man. Behold the man. Flesh and blood. 
flesh and blood and beaten body. This is the God we talk about. This is the God we celebrate. The God who gets Plutoed. Demoted. Devalued. Dismissed. Disdained. Demeaned and left for dead. The word became flesh and dwelt. That word dwelt is so important. It's sometimes misused and misunderstood. The word dwelt literally means to pitch a tent. In Moses' day, he built a tabernacle from a tent so that God would dwell with him. Solomon came after Moses and he built much more of a tabernacle. He built a giant temple so that God would be with his people Israel. If you read that very verse in the Message Bible, they don't use the word dwelt. You know what they use? Moved into the neighborhood. Somehow I find that more appropriate. By living in Moses' tabernacle, in Solomon's temple, God moved into the neighborhood to dwell with them. And God came in the flesh to dwell with you, right? In your neighborhood. And now God moves into our neighborhood. The human neighborhood. And what kind of neighborhood is that? What kind of neighborhood does Jesus find? It is a neighborhood where we hurt each other deeply with words. With cold shoulders, with callous hearts. It's a neighborhood where we ignore each other's needs repeatedly because we're too busy. We've got more important things to do. It's a neighborhood where we carelessly Pluto people with assassinations and accusations and condemnations, all to position ourselves as judge and jury. It's a messed up, mixed up world that Jesus comes into in the flesh. Our neighborhood is filled with mixed up people and messed up people. And how do I know that? Because I am every bit as messed up and mixed up as others, maybe more. And yet still, still God decides to come to my neighborhood and yours to dwell with you. He didn't retweet, retreat quickly to his exalted status and glory in heaven, did he? He stayed here. Why? To teach, to heal, to love, to forgive, to bleed, suffer, die. Jesus moved into your neighborhood and, and mine, indeed the, indeed the neighborhood of all the people on this planet. He moved here specifically to get Plutoed. Too often, though, when we get Plutoed and our world breaks into a million pieces, we see this promise of John 1.14 and it falls on our ears deftly because our hearts become hardened. When we shrug our shoulders and say, who cares? Then we get lost in a world of darkness and sin and pain. 
We become stuck in unhealthy relationships and we are, get trapped in unhealthy work patterns and we become so desperate, we try to self-medicate, we try to self-save, we try to self-atone, we try to self-rescue and nothing works. It can't work. I want you to listen very closely. Only Jesus can deliver life to people who have been Pluto. He does it through the gospel proclaimed, which is the God's power to save. He delivers new life through the cleaning, cleansing and forgiving waters of baptism. Where God claims you as his own. God comes through real blood, real body, and the sacrament of Holy Communion, what we might call the Word's Supper. I know it's true, and it's bound to happen to you more than one time in your life. People are going to talk down to you. They're going to demote you. They may dismiss you as if you don't count. And for certain, the devil's here every day trying to destroy you. But God has claimed you as his own. It is God who restores you. It is God who loves you. And you can live with this truth. And you can die with this truth. How do I know that? Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen.